Well, yes. Hello again. <laughs> Me again. Um, so, yeah, if we've not met, I'm Lydia and I'm part of the team here um, and married to Ben, who is the lead pastor. Uh, I also am a doctor. I do respiratory medicine, like the lungs, and I work in the NHS as well. Uh, and I am a mum to Tilly and B, who were causing havoc before the service. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. Um, but I wanted to just ask, uh, start with a question, and I wondered if anyone here still buys a newspaper very often. Do they still buy them? Oh, good. Oh, great. Yes, and I guess the rest of us probably mostly read everything online. Well, when I was growing up, um, a big part of the weekend in my family was reading the newspapers. I feel like my parents bought loads of them. Um, and then they would spend a lot of the time in the afternoon on Saturday and Sunday, like sitting, reading reading them and it was always it, it's a very peaceful memory because they would just drink coffee or tea and sit in the kitchen or maybe in the living room and it was sort of silent and calm and read read through all of the papers and the one that I really enjoyed as I got older and kind of able to able to read a paper was actually the Financial Times now not because I knew anything and I still don't uh, know very much at all about business or economics or finance to be honest but because I really liked the other sections that they had and they still they still have really good ones on the kind of arts and you know I, I really like it in my small amount of spare time to read and watch films and things and, th and they always had a really fun section on that. Now these days my weekends I can assure you don't look like that. Um, they are very different. We have obviously two small children and church um, being married to a church leader means yeah I don't have loads of time to sit in silence and read the paper but sometimes I still do manage to get one and I still actually really enjoy the Financial Times. And in the magazine, there's um, a sort of section called My Perfect Weekend. And someone kind of famous or cultured or important, and again, I often don't know who they are, but they describe what, they're doing, what they do on Saturdays and Sundays. And what always strikes me is that it rarely, it, well, what they say, it rarely involves kind of work or anything very stressful. You know, they probably live somewhere really beautiful and they go to a farmer's market or to a lovely restaurant or for lunch or they exercise, they meet with friends, they do reading. And it just always strikes me that it doesn't really matter who we are, whether you're really famous or you're very important or you're a normal person or you're whatever you're doing, we all need rest. We all need time off and space in our week to do fun things and have a break. It, I think it's built into us. And I'm sure if I asked you all, what's your perfect weekend? You'd have a kind of similar answer of a combination of different things um, that bring you life. And I know it can be hard because sometimes more and more work, especially with our phones or chores or other things can really creep in to those days off. And we're starting a new series today um, called Rooted, where we're thinking about some kind of important habits and disciplines that we can all put into our lives um, outside of kind of Sunday church, kind of on a regular basis, there we go, uh, which can allow our relationship with God to deepen and to, for him to, through those um, kind of habits and things we do to show his love for us and to build that in our hearts. 
And so the kind of habit or the practice that I'm talking about today is Sabbath. So if you've been knocking around church for a while or maybe just from like school or whatever, you're probably familiar with the story of creation, which is right at the beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis. And it says, and in fact, the very first sentence of the Bible was, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we read how God does six days of very hard work. <laughs> he makes the whole universe and everything in it. And then we read at the end of all that, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So right at the beginning of the universe, you know, however many billions of years ago that was, God had a rest. And um, since we know that it also says God made us in his own image, I think that means he also built in us the need to have a rest and have a rhythm of working for a certain amount of time, followed by a break and then starting work again. And I think, uh, you know, societies and kind of history have um, tried to sort of extend the working week at different points to kind of do maybe work seven days, have a day off, work eight days, have a day off, and to try and make people more productive. But actually, we've, the sort of studies of that have shown that the reverse is true. Working for really long periods of time without proper rest actually becomes counterproductive, and we become less efficient and less good at our jobs. So... The rhythm is kind of designed to help society thrive, help us flourish as humans, as it did for God right at the beginning. So Genesis is the beginning of the Bible. We read about creation. If we kind of fast forward a few, few years, give or take, there's a time when God's people, who are the Israelites, were wandering around the desert. They were waiting for and trusting God that he was going to bring them to their own land, their promised land. And God wanted to highlight to his people, to the Israelites, you know, how important this idea of resting and Sabbath was. So he did it at some different points. So the first time we, we see this happen, um, they're near Mount Sinai which is an important kind of place for the Israelites, for God's people. And they've only just left Egypt. So when they were in Egypt, they were slaves. They were working for the Egyptians. And we read in Exodus how they managed to escape. Um, and then they are waiting and, and kind of waiting to become really officially the holy people of God. So God gives them some instructions how to live, how he wants his people to be. It's kind of like a manifesto, I guess. And it's called the Ten Commandments, which you may have heard of. And I'm just going to read one of them. It says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. In some translations, that kind of blessed or holy it, it is written as set apart or dedicated to the Lord. Um, so in other words, it's a day not just about rest and kind of doing your life-giving things, but also about worship, um, uh, worshiping God, whatever that kind of looks like. And actually, I think it's interesting. It's the only commandment where God explained why they needed it. He gave a reason 
He doesn't kind of give a reason, maybe it's obvious, why you shouldn't murder or commit adultery on, and steal. He, but he explained they needed to rest because God rested after creating. It's like he kind of knew maybe that they would find it hard, that they needed to have an understanding of why he needed to put that in. And actually, we do see that in as we journey with, the, with God's people, as we kind of continue into Exodus, the rest of that book, they, they struggle with actually with all the commandments, to be honest. And God has to remind, they're still about 40 years later, so literally a new generation for them. They are now, they're still not in their promised land. They're camped by the River Jordan. And God has to kind of remind them of the, all the commandments again. And there's been a lot of problems. Things haven't really gone to plan, I guess. And Moses is still the leader of the people. And yeah, God gives him the commandments again and asks them to share them. And this is in the book of Deuteronomy. And initially, it sort of seems familiar. It lists all the different commandments. um, But actually, the reasoning behind this one is different. Because instead of linking it to creation, God actually links it to where they've come from. So he says, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. One Old Testament scholar, Old Testament scholar I read calls the Sabbath an act of resistance. You know, as slaves, the Israelites would have just been required to work every single day, no breaks, no rest, no choice about what they did. And God is kind of helping his people to break that yoke of what previously bound them and was just always asking for more, you know, more, more work, more, more time, I guess. And he wanted them to look different to that. And, and actually it helped. And the Jewish people, you know, God's people did learn to honor their Sabbath and they've cre- they created loads of different rules and traditions and some of them are like written out in in Deuteronomy and some of the older and Leviticus some of the laws of the Bible how you actually carry out the day and loads of people around the world you know we know still do that very closely but someone who didn't follow them that closely or who who maybe didn't seem like he was following the rules so tightly was Jesus and we read about in the gospels about an incident that happens between Jesus and his disciples and the Pharisees. So the other end of the Bible. And this is from Mark chapter 2, verse 23. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And he answered, have you never read what David did when he and his his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, consecrated bread, sorry, which is only lawful for the priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So Jesus here is challenging that like legalistic, quite oppressive culture that actually missed, although they were doing the Sabbath, doing the rules, it actually missed God's heart for it. And I think I can also miss God's heart for me, for having time off, having a break and space to worship him, uh, in, uh, you know, individually and be with him kind of as a person, as Lydia. And I wonder if you can relate to that too. 
But, you know, it's, it's amazingly, it's, it's actually an amazing gift that the Sabbath was designed by God and created for us, for our blessing and our joy, not meant to be a, a yoke, another thing around our necks that we need to do. So that's kind of the history of the Sabbath, if you like, a little bit of its background. But now I'm just going to answer two questions briefly, you'll be pleased to hear, um, that you might have following that. One is why I think we need to continue it today and, and perhaps to encourage us to do that. And then, then the second one is just how we might put that into practice for ourselves in London in 2024. So the first reason why, why should we be doing this? And I, for me, when I think this through, I think it's about trusting God, you know, trusting that he's going to provide for us. For most people throughout history, um, up until relatively recently, the main source of kind of everyone's income, like food, etc., would have been from their farming, from their land, their own land everyone had. So to stop for a whole day and not really work would have felt really scary because you would think, what if it had a detrimental effect on my crops? Or what if that means we don't have enough food later or it ruins something else? And, that, and it can feel the same for us, too, that we can think, I've got so much to do, how could I possibly have a break? Um, as I mentioned at the beginning, I work as a doctor, um, and so I studied medicine at university, which meant that I had loads of work to do. <laughs> I had coursework, assignments, uh, and revision for exams, so many exams. Once, I think I counted, because I'm sad, and I think I'd done over kind of 300 exams at, at university alone, not including everything else and postgraduate exams and I found it really stressful um, it was really overwhelming just like a constant wave tsunami of information to get into my brain and it did not feel like I had enough time ever and one Sunday when I was a student I was at church and I was just really thinking about it because I was thinking it, it wasn't very sustainable and I didn't know I was only a few years into my course I didn't know how I was going to manage the whole five and as I just kind of was praying about it, I guess, I felt God reminded me of the Sabbath, of that phrase from the Ten Commandments that the Lord blessed the seventh day and made it holy. So I decided to take Sundays off from studying. So I would try not to do any revision, um, no sort of studying. I tried to like avoid talking about work, which was quite challenging when you live with five other medics. But... Yeah, instead I would kind of not set an alarm, um, maybe go swimming or go for a, a run, yeah, read a book for pleasure, not a textbook, um, go for a walk, meet a friend, you know, some, bake something, cook something, something, spend time praying, listening to God, go to church maybe in, in the evening. Things that brought me life and joy. Um, and honestly, everyone thought I was really crazy, especially my friends that weren't Christian. They really struggled with it. Um, but for me, it was so wonderful. It would be so nice, such a nice feeling to get to Saturday evening and know kind of what was ahead of me the next day. And it was a challenge. Um, I had to work, I did have to work really hard and be very like efficient in the week to make sure that I kind of was getting enough done. But I, I actually think it really helped me focus. Um, I don't know if you've heard of something called Parkinson's law, which is the law that states that tasks kind of expand the time to fit 
um, that you have available. So if you only have a couple of things to do at work, you may know, you know, in a day, you'll actually find that somehow, even though you think, I could get them done straight away, they take all day. Um, whereas if you have a lot of things to do, sometimes you're able to tick through them and it concentrates your mind. So I kind of found that at university, um, that, you know, because I had theory less time, um, I had to kind of get things done before, and so I just sort of became a bit more efficient. And because in my mind, Sundays were non-negotiable. And also, I what I think is that God really honoured my decision. Um, I didn't actually, f you know, I didn't fail one exam, um, and I'm sure I would, I did better than I would have done if I'd had that extra day. And so I think we can. That showed me, and um, that we can trust God that He's going to help us get everything we need to done. Obviously, I think we still have to do the work. Um, you know, God worked really hard creating everything, didn't he? He, he, he was solid for those six days. Um, when I was a student, I also led a, like a student home group, um, you know, in fellow students from church. And, um, you know, at the end of the group, you know, we'd be doing our prayer requests and everyone sits around and um, someone says, well, actually, um, yeah, I've got this essay due in tomorrow. I haven't really started it yet, so if you could like pray that I get it done tonight. And I'd want to be like, why are you here at this life group? You need to go and do your essay. God isn't magic. He's not going <laughs> to just give you the essay. No, like you need to do the work. <laughs> so we have to work hard and honor our jobs and honor the tasks that we've been given to do. That's very important. Uh, but also God rested, didn't he? And so we must also rest. There's always going to be more work to be done. I'm really speaking to myself here as well, just, just so you know. <laughs> We're never going to reply to every email, finish every chore, return all the messages and everything we need to do. There's just, I know that for me, there's always one thing to complete before I stop. And I'm really guilty of thinking, oh, when, you know, Tilly and B are older or when I reach this point at work or in the, you know, in, in February after this event, you know, I'm going to X, Y, and Z. I don't know if anyone else does that too. Peter Schizero, who wrote the book Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, which we had done a sermon series on a couple of years ago, um, said, we should stop on a Sabbath because God is on the throne, assuring us that the world will not fall apart if we don't complete all our activities. Life on this side of heaven is an unfinished symphony. We accomplish one goal and then are immediately confronted with new opportunities and challenges. But ultimately, our lives will end with countless unfinished projects and goals. And that is okay. God is at work taking care of the universe. He manages quite well without us having to run things. When we are sleeping, he is working. So he commands us to relax. Enjoy the fact that we are not in charge. Every Sabbath reminds us to be still and know that I am God and to stop worrying about tomorrow. But how countercultural does that sound? And that brings me to kind of the second reason why I think, you know, Sabbath is really important and we, we need to build that into our weekly rhythm, which is because it's about us looking different as God's people. You know, as I explained before, the second time that God gives the Ten Commandments to the Israelites, it was to, to remind them, you're not slaves anymore. You have left Egypt. And so you can look different to the, to the people and the culture that the Egyptians were creating. And God wanted, really wanted the Israelites to enjoy that freedom by taking that day off very noticeably. 
And I think in our culture, sometimes downtime or time when you don't really do much can be seen as a negative thing. You know, think about how often you sort of say, oh, how are you? And people say, oh, I'm busy. And it's like a kind of badge of honor. And it sort of said something, I guess, about how important we might be. And of course, most of the things that everyone's doing are great. They're really good things, you know, and it's so fun, isn't it? And important and nice to be seeing friends, to be doing lots of different things and, and, and helping with lots of ways, working hard at our job. That's fab. But God has also called us as his people to be different to the culture around us. And like the Israelites sort of turning away from that culture of Egypt, I think we're called sometimes to show the light and joy of following Jesus by having specific rest, by saying no to things, I guess, to say, oh, we don't do that on a Sunday or whatever day it is. You know, to do things because you actually want to <laughs> or feel called to, not just to fill up the calendar and not define ourselves by our work um, or our other roles, but sometimes resting in that position, uh, in that kind of identity as children of God, as his sons and daughters. And, you know, for me, not revising on Sunday, not, not studying, um, actually <laughs> probably prompted many more conversations about my faith, about what it means to follow Jesus with my non-Christian friends than anything else I did. And I did a lot of stuff at church. <laughs> you know, I was busy. But, in a, but actually seeing that into my daily life was what really made a difference with, with, for my friends. And the final reason I just want to briefly say why I think it's important to have Sabbath because I think God wants us to have fun and to have enjoyment in our lives. You know, it's really fun to do the things you like <laughs> and that are life-giving. You know, it is not a heavy, another heavy burden that Jesus, that God wants to place on us. You know, it's why Jesus was telling those religious people they've got it wrong. You know, David and his companions were hungry, so <laughs> they needed to eat. And Jesus, you know, if you, if, um, you know, the things that we want to do, that, that's important. Those are gifts that God has given us. So f building time into our week, which is meant to be fun and restful and, and, and joyful, is that's a gift from God. And that's, that's a nice thing. So how can we all put this into practice? What does it mean for our lives today? So I think the first thing, I've got a few little pointers, but I think a lot of it will look different depending on, you know, your personality, your life stage, whatever you spend your life, your week doing, your work. You know, when I was um, working as a more junior doctor and doing a lot of shifts, I often had to work on a Sunday. Um, that wasn't, you know, it was about building in the time elsewhere or, or whatever, you know, um, flexing. So again, you know, the Sabbath is made for us so we can kind of um, decide how we want that to look. But I think the first thing to say is being intentional about making it happen is really important. So some kind of planning. So perhaps you're saying, okay, you know, I don't, um, on this day of the week, I, yeah, I definitely don't look at my work emails. I don't do, I try not to look at WhatsApp so much or whatever, or I try and get my chores and things done the other day so that I can do whatever else. Maybe it's one day or maybe it's, you know, a certain time of the day or maybe it's a little bit every day there's a time that you can kind of build that Sabbath rest time into your week. So it'll look different, but I do think we have to plan. So, you know, a bit like when I was revising, finding, making sure that you 
you've done the other stuff so they don't just creep into your day off because otherwise you will just go run errands, look at, you know, go to Ikea, do chores, things that aren't, aren't life-giving necessarily. Secondly, um, yeah, it's important, yeah, to not, you know, everyone's life stage is different, so how things work for one person is not necessarily going to be the same for you. And also because different things, we're all made differently, aren't we? And God's given us all different interests and joys. So for one person, the, act, the very least pleasant or restful thing you could ever think of doing is going for a run. But, you know, for me, I, I quite like that. And that does bring me energy and joy. So, you know, different, different things for different people. So it's about finding what... Um, you can do and and what's right for you and you know so I can I can't do literally nothing on a Sunday we do have to work a bit um because of Ben's job and whatever but not build kind of um beating yourself up about that and and just and building it in that's okay that's not what God is asking us to do and I think the worship aspect of Sabbath is really important. So, you know, coming to church or having that in, involvement in church is important. But also, it's not just, um, it's not meant to be like a tick box exercise. It's, you know, being in God's presence throughout the day. And, and that can be in a lovely meal or in um, a time praying as a family or listening to music or being in God's creation. It's kind of building it in, weaving it in through that whole day. Or, you know, and, and God smiles on us and we can feel his presence when we're sitting reading a book, when we're baking, doing something we love, crafting, whatever it is, God, God loves that. And I think finally, we need to remember that Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath and it's only in him, really, that we find the true rest. So having that space to be with Jesus is really what... Um, yeah, what brings us that? I was I was just thinking, a few months ago we had our friend Tim, who's our um, a kind of good friend from a church previously that we'd been at, who spoke, and he was speaking about the Holy Spirit. But he said something at the end that really stuck with me um, in the kind of ministry time. He said, um, you know, that there have been pe- there people who had been kind of thinking, oh, I need to go on a holiday, I need a break, and I'm guilty of thinking that all the time, and actually what we needed was the Spirit, the Holy Spirit and Jesus' presence to give us that sense of rest and energy and kind of focus. And that, you know, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are burdened and weary, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And we can feel that no matter what's happening in our week, no matter what things we've got on. Being rooted and established in God's love for us means giving ourselves space to rest and recover and to have that time with Jesus to give him our burdens and our busyness and ask for him to fill us with his love, his joy and his peace. You know, sometimes I think... I can feel like I spend my a lot of my life in a kind of dress rehearsal of like preparing, practicing, getting ready, getting ready. Uh, and there's always just going to be something else to get ready for. You know, the kind of show doesn't always come. But through that Sabbath, I think, and giving ourselves that break, we can get filled up into, to enter that life-giving place. We can feel really connected with God. And then no matter what's happening in our week, we 
are ready to face it. So why don't we stand? <laughs>